y'all. Welcome to the Marty Smith's America podcast. This is volume 100-something, probably 200-something. Travis lost count. I didn't lose count. I just, I just stopped You just counting. quit counting. Yeah. yeah you, you, feel like, you, you feel like it's useless after 100, but I mean, like, but think about volumes, man. Like, great, like Harry Potter. There's like 12 volumes, right? Hunger Games, there's all these volumes. So they count them. Why wouldn't we count them? I've always wondered when UFC is going to stop counting. Yeah, no, man, that is a little much. Like we're at like U- UFC like two seventy six or something like that. Thing about it is, man, there's like a UFC fight every three days. Like I feel like there's a UFC fight every day. That and yeah. they're the biggest fight ever. Every one of them. <laughs> the best card ever. The one that gets me because the Super Bowl with the Roman numerals. I'm like, we got it. Can we go back to something else? No, man, I love Roman numerals, dude. I don't, I don't know. I'm a big Roman numeral guy. They're cool. Like, they feel very stately. They feel very distinguished and important. Yeah, like it, it, like it's written on, like, a thick card that you write with, like, an ink pen. Yeah, calligraphy. Yes. You got to have some calligraphy. Uh, well, anyway, it's been a minute since we did a podcast. A lot of you guys have been clamoring for another podcast. I'm sorry. It's my fault, not Travis's. I have been on – the run, man. I have just got home last night from John F. Kennedy Airport in New York City. And that concluded a six-day run that went like this. Charlotte, Birmingham, Charlotte, Gainesville, Charlotte, Columbus, Charlotte, Dayton, Columbus, New York, Charlotte. So I'm smoked, uh, straight up. I can't lie. Um, I know Walter, a lot of y'all you- that like Marty Smith's America and Marty and McGee and what we're doing. You guys are blue collar folks and man, do I love you guys. I appreciate people with dirty nails and blue collars and that whole thing. And so hearing some old boy bitch and moan about having to be on a bunch of airplanes is laughable, but don't get it twisted. It's a lot of time. Uh, and Grateful for it, man. I went down to – so let me walk you through that. I went down to Birmingham last Wednesday, spent the whole day with the Tulane football team. And, man, are they something else. They were displaced on August 28th by Hurricane Ida. So they activated a, an evacuation plan from New Orleans that began in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina 15 years ago, I guess. and they basically what that is is grab everything you can as fast as you can and board a bus to Birmingham, Alabama. And they've lived in the Sheraton in Birmingham since. Uh, they were supposed to go home Sunday. I think they probably did. And uh, I've not followed up to find that out, but I'm sure they did. And uh, they played three football games while displaced. They almost beat the University of Oklahoma. They beat the breaks off of Morgan State. And uh, then they lost to Ole Miss because Matt Corral is probably the Heisman frontrunner at this point. The quarterback for the Rebels is playing out of his mind under the tutelage of Lane Kiffin. And the resolve and the resilience and the jag on, they're just so full. Uh, their, their spirit is amazing, that Tulane football team. 330 members of the athletic department were displaced. And they – you know, it's funny, Travis – I love my coworkers. 
I love being around everybody, but dang, I want to go be by myself in my hotel room for a little while. I want to go home and be in my own space. And they didn't have that opportunity for three weeks. Well, yeah. I mean, you think about it when we go down to the masters, we have our own rooms, but when we're there at the course, we're there together, but we go back to our room and it's like, all right, I'll, I'll call you in a couple hours after a shower on wine and just kind of, you know, have your own. I can only imagine doing that. And then it's also, you kind of forget like when hurricane Ida came through your, everyone's attention is there and, you know, prayers and well wishes going there. And then the next story comes on the news a week later and we move on. And then you forget that, like, it's not that once the storm's over, they just go right back there. Like they have, you know, the damage is done and it's that, you know, they're dealing with that. So it's not like they just went right back home. Yeah. Uh, one of the stories that I did while I was with the Tulane green wave was about Jaquan Jackson. He he's one of the wide receivers. He's number four. He's a great young man. He wants to be in communications and was very inquisitive and wanted to learn a lot about what we do and how we do it. Cause it's what he'd like to do someday. And his grandmother, 101 years old, rode out the storm at home. And he told me, I'm the only person she'll listen to. And I wasn't there, and I couldn't get a hold of him. And he worried about her. And so, uh, ultimately, she was fine. We FaceTimed with her after our interview. And uh, her house was torn up, a bunch of insulation and whatnot was, was messed up. But ultimately, physically, they're okay. But that's what they're going home to, man. You know, they don't they they went back to an uncertain reality, an uncertain normal. And I tell you, those folks down there in Louisiana, man, they are so resilient and they have such a beautiful spirit. It's crazy. It's crazy to us who don't live down there. Like that they're used to, they're like used to that. They're used to hurricanes and they do have a methodology of writing them out. And I it's funny. I wrote a track when I wrote the feature that we did for Sports Center after we visited them. I contacted my boys at LSU just to make sure that I wasn't off base or out of line saying that, you know, uh, it's it's very normal to ride out a storm like that. When those of us who don't live there and aren't accustomed to that, we would run for the hills, man. And it's just a beautiful spirit down there, man. And it was wonderful to get to spend time with them. Uh, really grateful for their time, Coach Willie Fritz and uh, and Jaquan and Nick Anderson, one of their linebackers, uh, spent a lot of time with him, and he showed me around. It was funny. They were laughing. They kind of said, we're like Noah's Ark. It was two by two, and there were just all kind of different animals. There were dogs everywhere. There were uh, a bearded dragon. There were all these fancy rats, which I don't even know what the hell that is, but uh, I think everybody's still trying to figure out what that means. But just a tremendous spirit. Uh, and a shout-out to the equipment guys at Tulane. They really, really had to ramp up their workload because these guys were told when they boarded that bus, packed for three days, we're going to go to Birmingham, we're going to assess what's going on, and then we're going to go back to New Orleans. And they were there for three weeks. I mean, there were T-shirt presses like they were the equipment guys were pressing brand new T-shirts for other sports because they didn't have any gear and uh, constantly doing laundry. And I mean, they had this one huge banquet room that all the shoulder pads and helmets were lined up along the walls trying to dry out. It smelled like football in that room. 
the EQ guys had like their sideline rolling cabinetry and they decided to run a special helmet run. That's back to my NASCAR roots, run a special paint scheme is about what I said. They decided to use a, a, a throwback helmet against Ole Miss with Greeny, their original mascot. They trolled the SEC by putting a decal on the helmet that said three-time SEC champions. And so – Those helmets are, are – man, beautiful. Oh, Just. It's, so, the, so the helmet they wore in week one, I told all those guys this. I need one of those for my bar. Dude, the white two-lane helmet with the green wave, the, it's like a luminescent reflective green wave on it. And they wore blue face masks, I think, against uh, uh, against Oklahoma. But if they put the green face mask on that helmet, dude, Come on, get out of here. Because it's like a shiny, it's a shiny green face mask. And it's just like, I love their color scheme. I'm a big powder blue guy. Like, I love powder blue uniforms. I love the University of North Carolina. Shout out to J-Bone. I love the old Miss Rebels. And, you know, shout out to my boy Kenny Crane down there, the EQ guy. They do a great job putting all their uniform combinations together. But, man, that two-lane one's about one my heart. I love that green and powder blue together. It just looks awesome. There, there's there's nothing better than when you, a team goes out and their uniform just looks beautiful. Like I, I love a good helmet. It, it it gets me excited. So that's where I was last Wednesday. Went from there, uh, came back home for the night, got up, wrote that whole piece, tracked it, hauled butt to the airport and flew to Gainesville, Florida. Marty McGee was in Gainesville along with SEC Nation. We had an absolute blast. Uh, we're doing a lot of different things right now. Sports Center uh, LA has really championed us and bought into what we're doing. And we're doing a weekly segment called Tailgating with Marty and McGee for them. And it's really funny. And we have a good time doing that. We're grateful for their investment in us. And then the show on Saturday was out of this world. We had Coach Saban on. And we just cut up and we wore jorts because uh, Florida man, we had we were with the world's most famous Florida man, the great Tim Tebow. So we put on jorts. I randomly had this idea last Monday. I said, we he and I, McGee and I do like a download call together and just cut up and talk about what we think we could have done better, kind of analyze the show, what might we want to do this week coming up, maybe some planning, mostly just cussing each other and talking trash, but I said, you know what we ought to do, man? We ought to wear jorts. And he goes, oh, my gosh, we have to wear jorts. So we got Randy Heritage on the phone, our producer for Marty and McGee, and he didn't even hesitate. He's like, cool. And then we ran it up the flagpole at SEC Network. They all loved it. And, man, I didn't know what to expect because we were just trying to have some fun. And, you know, we don't – I didn't know what to expect in the aftermath, what the reaction would be, but people laughed there but they thought it was fantastic i mean how can you not love jorts it's jorts is just they're amazing and then when you're in florida you have to wear them in the middle of the show lane kiffin texted me and he said what in the hell are you two wearing and i just wrote back jorts senator (laughs) how hot was it down there hot uh, dude it was ridiculous i saw Uh, a no it's funny it wasn't that hot it was so humid it was so humid, you couldn't be outside. I mean, seriously, it was one of those like 10-second 
22nd, you are drenched. And, you know, we had on suits, so that compounds the issue. And then once you have on a suit and you're sweating that much, I mean, Tim Tebow, you know, I was uh, McGee and I shared a hilarious laugh during our show that, you know, Tebow had sweat through his shirt by, you know, 7.30 in the morning. I said, but the difference is Tim's is that, like, athletic sweat. Ours is just old man fat boy sweat. And McGee goes, yeah, it's hamburger sweat. <laughs> yeah, when Tim sweats, he finds a way that he can he can get away. Like, he just can still look good in it. I mean, he pulls off the suit with the untucked shirt, and it looks good. If I tried that at work, they'd look at me and go, leave or tuck it at. <laughs> He's Tim Tebow. Um, what, what, what is it like? Uh, you've been around Tim at all different places, and we, you, I think we've said it here and said other places. He's famous, famous. But what's it like when he's back home? Uh, crazy, man. You know, like again, he – I always say it. We have two famous people at ESPN, Stephen A. Smith and Tim Tebow. Uh, you know, Scotty Van Pelt is right there. Uh, we have so many recognizable people. A lot of us, you know, go in the airport, go in a restaurant, go to the bar, walking down the street, go to the grocery store. Hey, man, I love your work. Hey, man, you're a dumbass. Hey, man, you're stupid. Whatever. So they recognize us, but it's not hysteria. You, you're with Tim Tebow in public, dude, it's hysteria. And everybody wants his time, and he's so gracious. He's like the – I mean – I feel like I, he's I the Pope at the Vatican, if that's kind of what it's like for him there. Yeah, and, and he's had such an amazing impact on my life. You know, I was sitting there thinking about this the other day. I'm 10 years older than Tim, and it's funny that somebody that much younger than you – can have that big of an impact on you, but he has. He has had a tremendous impact on my life, philosophically, spiritually. Um, certainly, uh, what's the right word? Con from a confidence perspective, because as I wrote in Never Settle, I mean, he taught me the lesson that nobody else defines your life. We can get caught up so easily in what other people think of us. We can get caught up so easily in that piece of criticism that that guy who says on social media, you know, you're so annoying. I can't stand you. I hate your guts. You can let that penetrate your psyche. Tim doesn't care. And gosh, that's an awesome lesson. Uh, and so thanks to Gainesville. Really appreciate the equipment staff down at Florida. They came up on SEC Nation and brought a whole bunch of Jays. And I wasn't even supposed to be part of that segment, but in the middle of a live television segment, I walked up on the stage and grabbed a pair of threes, and I left the stage right in the middle of the show. And really grateful to Jeff McGrew, uh, my brother from another, who is the equipment guy down there at Florida. So generous. And, uh, and we're just – we had a blast down there, man. And what a dang football game. The Gators gave the Tide everything they wanted and more, and um, Alabama escaped. They were fortunate to win that football game. So they, are, they were fortunate, and after that, people have said, you know, Alabama's beatable, and my response is to who, though? Yep. Yes, they are beatable to Florida, but there ain't many other teams after that that they're beatable to. So, yeah, just because they almost lost, there isn't five teams out there that – can beat, you know, Bama. So don't get it twisted. It's Bama said, and then uh, a still, it's a drop-off. I said during our show on Saturday, I got asked point blank 
live on TV with a live audience that was gator to the hilt, is Florida the favorite in the SEC East? And I said, no. And they booed me, which was awesome. Like, I loved it. I love that stuff. I love their passion for their team. Georgia's defense is the best in the country. Georgia's defense has – like, go, just go listen to what Shane Beamer said after, after their game on Saturday. If you want to know about Georgia's defense, Jordan Davis is a complete and total freak of nature. He's 360 pounds and runs like a gazelle. So, they just have a lot of studs. Now, offensively, they have a lot of ground to make up. Offensively, Georgia's got to figure it out. I felt like with JT Daniels, now granted he's been injured, but I felt like with JT Daniels they would be vertical. They'd have the ability to offset that amazing running game with some vertical threat. They might get there by the time that the SEC championship game gets it. Now – Well, they need to get there when they play Florida. I can't wait to see what happens before we get to the cocktail party. And – I, uh, I'm standing behind my thought, but Florida's good. Uh, they played really well against Alabama. Emory Jones played really well at quarterback. Um, I like Florida's defense a lot, and they didn't have Ventrell Miller. <laughs> so, you know, it's, uh, it's well, going to be fascinating for me to see how that East unfolds. But right now I'm still, still leaning dogs. I'm going Florida. And, and also think about this. Anthony Richardson didn't play on Saturday. I know, but that's that. I agreed with Gary Danielson. I was watching the, I was watching the game, and listening to CBS's feed, and I completely agreed with Gary Danielson. I think the fact that Anthony Richardson didn't play made Emory Jones better, because he didn't have to worry about when he was going to be in and when he wasn't, and he was able to stay in the flow of the game and just play free. There's a lot there. No, psychologically, there's a lot there. I thought that was very astute by Gary to say that and think that. Well, but think, though, if, if there's one coach that can manage a two-quarterback system. It ain't about the coach, dude. No, no, no. It's about the no, players. But, yeah, it is about the players, but if there's a coach that can go to both the players and get them to understand, it's Dan Mullen who had Tim Tebow and Chris Leak. Right, I understand. And and you can make the players understand, but that doesn't mean oh yeah, that when you're behind center and you just, you know, you just ripped off a 17-yard run and threw a 7-yard hitch and you feel you're feeling in the groove and they bring the other guy in. Oh, agree. Like that's going to I don't care who you are. You're going to be like, "What the hell, man? I'm hooping right now." Especially when you're Emory Jones, you've you've stayed and Yeah, dude, you've been at Florida since the Dagon Nixon administration. It's it's your you know in your mind it's your turn and then it's like you're gonna I'm getting in this groove and you're kind of two steps and you bring me out so then I take a step backwards so it is a hard thing to deal like you know you forget that he's twenty twenty one years old it's it's not an easy thing I mean hell doesn't matter how old you are it'd be tough but at that age it's even harder. Richardson's gonna be a very he is a special player he's gonna be a really special player and. Kudos to Tim Tebow before we ever started the season. This was Thursday of the season opener. We were in Atlanta, Georgia for the Bama-Miami game at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. This is Thursday, two days before the season was going to kick off. Tim Tebow said to us in a meeting, Anthony Richardson has the potential to have a greater impact as a freshman on Florida's team than I do. 
And I mean, the guy like Tim's a stoop, man. And look, I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out to SEC Nation for a minute. Jordan Rogers is going to be an absolute megastar. Okay. Like he is uh, Roman Harper, absolute megastar. And Tebow's Tebow. Uh, I mean, it's what an amazing collaboration of talent. Laura might be the most talented person at the company. Like, seriously. Paul Feinbaum is an absolute institution in the South. It's uh, it's just crazy what it's, an awesome collaboration I, of talent. Obviously, you know, I'm going to tune into Marty McGee, but even though it's all SEC stuff, I catch myself spending more time watching SEC Nation than game day or any of the other morning shows just because of how entertaining and informative that show is. And then when they, you know, I love the mixture of you guys and it's, it's a fun show that they kind of let you guys, you know, it doesn't, it's not all buttoned up. We you do know, too. It, uh, good, and we, but it's loose. McGee and I are both really grateful that they are integrating us in the nation as well. We're hosting segments two weeks ago when we were at Fayetteville, Arkansas for that game. We haven't talked about that one yet for, uh, Turn that we damn were, jukebox on. We were in Fayetteville uh, when the Hogs beat the brakes off of Sark and the boys. Uh, I had the blessing of hosting a segment on 9-11 on SEC Nation. And, I mean, I just felt so grateful for that. This week I got to do a feature on Tom Petty that aired on College Game Day and SEC Nation. And I got to front that piece on, uh, on Nation and – I was so happy about that because I love music so much. And to get to do that story on Gainesville's native son. All right, so here's what people don't know. Here's a little peel the curtain back uh, inside baseball behind the scenes. You want to know why I got to do that story on Tom Petty? No. Because two other people declined doing it. And I want to share with you guys who those people were. Eddie Vedder uh, declined the opportunity to voice it. And then uh, I went ahead and voiced it because we were waiting on someone else to give us an answer about whether or not they would voice it. Ultimately, as you know, I did voice it because this other person declined as well, Stevie Nicks. I would have been fine playing third fiddle to those two. I was going to say, like, if, <laughs> if you're like our third choice and the first two is like... They're just Hall of Famers, that's all. Yeah, I, th- that's okay to be the third in that list. I was laughing about it, man. I said, I, I said look... If Eddie Vedder voices this, y'all better patch me in on the phone so I can listen to him do it. It's um, uh, I love that it's very rarely can a, a school create a new tradition. A lot of most things in college football have been there for years. Yep. But this is one that, you know, started with, with his unfortunate passing. And it is one of the coolest scenes. And then especially – after going a year without having it really, you know, they had some fans, but not this, it wasn't what the swamp was. But so to see that scene on Saturday, uh, it was awesome. It's just it, spectacular. It, it fills you up. 
it's just spectacular. And Jenna Contreras was uh, the producer on that piece, and she did an absolutely knockout, fabulous job. And I was just so humbled to get to do it to get with her, to be a part of that piece with her was such a blessing. Um, so left Gainesville, Laney and I went up to see Chief play, uh, and that was a spiritual experience. It always is. But again, to your point, not having seen it in two years, uh, it was, it was spiritual in a different way. He opened with Ray bands and I cried, uh, and he told me I was going to cry. I, I think you probably knew that ahead of time. You, you know, this, you know, the meaning of that song, you uh, what Eric means to you, how long it's been with the concert. You probably had an idea that that was going to happen. Yeah. I just, even if you're ready, when you hear that song is a very haunting song. It's a, well, I remember when you told me that I've heard it many times. And then when you told them the meaning of it and then you yep. played it, it changes. It's, it's, it's a 180 for you. Yeah. It's a very different experience. Uh, and just hearing it live like that with all that fellowship was just spectacular. And Laney and I had so much fun and we needed that. And we just, um, that's our favorite thing to do. It's our favorite thing to do together is to go to country music shows and especially Eric's. Uh, well, I, I mean, I don't know how often you know, I'll text you or talk to you and, You'll say, you know, it was last night. Laney and I just had some music on and a glass of wine. Like you guys, that we don't watch. Not TV at concert. Either. You just listen to music. Yeah, we don't watch TV. Um, music is therapy for me. It really helps me. Her, her perspective and the music, uh, they allow me to open places of myself up that I normally keep closed, and. As a result of that, we're able to dive into emotions I may be having in that moment, insecurities I may be having in that moment, and um, it's very therapeutic. What um, what was that scene like even before Eric came out there at Nationwide Arena? What was that what, like, like the buzz? Well, I can tell you this. Uh, our brother Mark Pantone was there, uh, the GM of Ohio State football, and he said to me, I, I, Laney and I ran up and saw him and his wife for a, a few minutes for a cold beer. And he said, I said, I said, Hey man, what time did y'all kick off? 3.30. What time did that game end? 7.15 or whatever it was, you know, seven o'clock. And I said, how many people could do this? We're three and a half miles from the shoe right now. He goes, one. Nobody else on earth could have sold out Nationwide Arena the same day as a home game that the Ohio State Buckeyes held. And I don't I, care I, if it was Tulsa. I don't so, care who it was. Uh, Van Pelt taped his podcast last night, and he asked me why the crowd wasn't sold out at the shoe on Saturday. It was like at 78,000. And I, I said this, and I honestly believe it. One of the factors, what obviously coming off a loss hurt, but the timing of that game and then uh, Eric being there, I honestly believe – people picked Eric over going to the Ohio state game because of the timing, my goal, if it was a noon game was I was going to go back and I wanted to do both. And I wanted to uh, go with a, a, my buddy and his wife, his wife had never been to Ohio state game, but just with my schedule and things going on right now, I didn't, but like, I honestly think Eric stole fans away from Ohio state. Yeah. I mean, look, I would, I don't know the, I don't know the 
fan base. I know the fan base. I don't know the fan base as well as you do. You're uh, you're like the vice president of the Ohio State fan base, but I look. I would tend to agree. I mean, there and I and I 100% agree. There's only one artist who could have pulled that off. Um, and dang, was it amazing! I mean, he played for three and a half hours. Well, and he I, I had saw, played the previous night in Lexington, Kentucky for three and a half hours, and he told me himself it was one of the greatest shows of his career. Did and, he play 40 songs at Kentucky? Did I see that right? Yeah. That I mean, that, and then to do it the basically again, like it's unreal. He, he's unreal. Uh, I can only imagine what Rep Arena was like. Uh, the night before we come to Columbus, it's for the first stop on the tour. Uh, that's a town that knows their music and loves. I mean, I can only imagine how awesome that was. Played 36 in Nationwide. I have the set list right here. What's interesting to me is I, I'm not sure how many times I've seen him play. I just don't know that answer. But I can tell you this is the first time that I've ever seen him play and he didn't play centers like me. It's the very first time I've ever seen him not play that song. And I've probably seen him a hundred times. Um, absolutely spectacular so, uh, show. His wife, Catherine, has a bunch of video of me just losing my mind. What was, um, so one last thing on that the concert, because I've been fascinated. Uh, the stage setup is yeah, completely different. What was that like? To, I mean, the crowd's he, that's 360 for him this tour. It's a workout for the artist. I mean, he's constantly moving. He is up, down, all around, everywhere. It allows every single section of the arena to see you in an intimate way where you're looking right at them. And above that, I mean, it allows you to sell a hell of a lot more tickets. So anyway, that was awesome. And Lainey and I got up at we, I mean, after um, I think we probably went to bed around three thirty, four o'clock in the morning, and took an eight o'clock flight to Charlotte. Uh, Monday, so we were, I was home Sunday. Monday, I uh, flew to Dayton, Ohio. Been working on a huge feature for College Game Day. Did some interviews for that. Drove over to Columbus, flew to New York, where on Tuesday I was in New York with the United States Coast Guard and shooting a bunch of content in New York Harbor and on the Hudson River with our amazing Coast Guard. And being in the shadow of the Statue of Liberty on the water side is a spiritual thing, too. I can't wait for you guys to see that on our ESPN Salute to the Troops Veterans Day special coming up here in November. And you, every year I look so forward to being a part of that program. Everybody that listens to this podcast knows how grateful I am for the sacrifices that our military members make and our first responders and our firemen and our police force, our law enforcement officials. I say it every, every single damn show. And, man, when you're out there and you're really immersed and you're learning, I mean, the president of the United States was in town, right? So it's a whole different level for them, monitoring everything going on on the Hudson River. And really wild to experience that and learn from them. And then uh, I randomly, <laughs> randomly met 
the first person who, for the U.S. Coast Guard, responded to that airliner that landed on the Hudson when Captain Sully landed that bird on the river. Very first guy. And we went to the app. We went to the spot. And he went blow by blow and broke it down for me what that experience was like. It was crazy, man. That's, that's and awesome. It's just another example of the opportunity that ESPN affords you, man. And just really special time. Uh, so, boy, has it been a couple weeks here. Uh, and we're looking ahead. We're going to South Carolina this weekend. They take on Kentucky. We're going down there with Marty and McGee and SEC Nation. And um, then I'm going to come home on Saturday afternoon and sit my butt on the couch, watch some football. Might take the boat out if it's a nice day. That's my Saturdays I've spent. The, the second TV's out in the living room, though. It's uh, Saturdays have been a little stressful here at uh, the house. Yeah. We got to get some things fixed. Got to get a defense fixed, man. I, I keep saying the part that's the most shocking for me uh, is actually the defensive line. Yep. They haven't got the pressure. And Larry Johnson came out yesterday and he's like, you know, this isn't acceptable. I have to, you know, change the rotation we need to go back to changing up some of the coaching technique but larry johnson is the best defensive line coach there is and to see that defensive line struggling it it's shocking to me because people you know they go back to chase young and the boses but then there's so many other defensive linemen that are in the nfl right now that uh have been also successful and right now you're looking at it and it it's it's shocking to see that defense and then you know this fan base they they overreact and people going after cj stroud i'm like cj stroud is not the problem no he's not he's played three games in his college career yeah he'll be fine he's um and travion henderson whew, thank you virginia for uh giving us that kid it's, yep he is the real deal well y'all got some stuff to shore up no question and i don't know man uh, Big Ten intrigues me. I was really good. Penn State's good. The team up so, north is. I'm, yep, not, I'm not ready. To, I'm not ready to say they're you know legit. But listen, in college football, if you're undefeated, and then you look at it, Clemson's been struggling. Oklahoma's been struggling. Yeah, it's a weird year. If you are just a college football fan and don't have a you know a horse in the race, this season is for you. Yeah, because uh, you know between the transfer portal and the super seniors, I think some of these other teams have you know been ele- been elevated and how good they are and uh, getting closer to the 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 CFP teams. Yep, I agree, brother. Uh, it's awfully fun, and the atmospheres are outrageously great because we're together again and. It's just beautiful seeing that white out of Penn State. Oh my was gosh. Spectacular. Seeing the swamp unglued was spectacular. It's going to be amazing to see South Carolina this Saturday with a really good Kentucky team coming into town with Will Levis at quarterback, the Penn State transfer. He's a Hooper man. And you got Arkansas, so, Texas AM. That thing is going to be. Yeah, that game's going to be crazy. Jimbo's got a really good football team. And, uh, you know, obviously the 
Injury to Haynes King has it up in the air a little bit. Calzada's a good quarterback. He, he's fortunate to have that kind of backup. And I love what Arkansas is. Arkansas is gritty, tough, physical. Like that, that state is on fire for this football team because they have hope. That's a good football team. SEC West. SEC West is crazy, man. That's a good football team with maybe the two bet like the combination of their OC and DC is might be the best out there. So damn good. Yeah. It's it's uh it's fun to watch the turnaround. It's so hard to turn it around that fast. Like they turned it around so fast. And it's all it's just culture, you know, it's culture and belief and Pittman, Sam Pittman's the perfect guy. Look, I'm telling you, that's what's coming at South Carolina. It's coming. They faced a buzzsaw in the Georgia Bulldogs. This Kentucky-South Carolina game is sneaky. It's sneaky. And I can't wait to see what happens. Uh, I think Kentucky's the better team. But I can't wait to see the game. I'm going to watch every second of it. That clicker will be on fire. All right. Got to get out of here. I appreciate every one of you guys listening. Thank you so much to our law enforcement officials all over the country working hard to keep our community safe, our fire and rescue teams, first responders. Thank you. Thank you so much. And the United States military, uh, I'll say it again. I'm so grateful for your sacrifice. So grateful to be in a free country. And of course, I was reminded of that this week, standing in the shadow of Lady Liberty. Have an amazing week, everybody. Thank you so much for investing in Marty Smith's America. We'll try better next time around. See y'all.